ladies and gentlemen, every other Tuesday on the Journey into Comics Network, it's poor news with the late breaking news when it matters most. The following, the following, the following. The following. Journey, into comic. journey into Comics, Journey into Comics, Journey into Comics, Journey into Comics, Network, 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 Production, Production, and here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, a-holes. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 207. As the introduction said, it's me, it's me, it's NJP. Nate, the Podfather here, rocking out with you on this glorious Monday morning. Hope everybody's doing fantastic whenever in time and space you happen to be listening to this. Uh, as I've typically been doing on these solo casts, I'm just going to be kind of breaking down stuff. So hopefully you guys are cool with that. So I'm just going to get kind of get right into the weekend. Uh, this past weekend, Walk Among Us, playing another show. This time, we were playing in Mishawaka, Indiana. It's one of our favorite places to play. We play a location called Smith's Downtown there. So Mishawaka is a, you know, a little over an hour and some odd change drive. So the three of us pile into the truck and we go to Mishawaka. And we get to Mishawaka and we have to take all of our gear up two flights of stairs and eh, you know what it's i mean it really isn't that bad it's kind of sucky because there's a lot of stuff to bring and you know there really is technically speaking only two of us because one person we prefer stay with the truck and the equipment that way nothing gets stolen or hijacked you know and then you know it's safety first then teamwork obviously so we get all of our stuff upstairs and I immediately start set up. I get my drums set up before the show even begins. I was like lightning this time. I was just like, it took me like 15 minutes to set everything up and get myself in position to rock and roll. And uh, the first band goes up and they were sham. They weren't a sham. I mean, that's arguable, but uh, this band sham performed and uh, they were all right, mostly female act, and uh, I will say one of the attributes I really wasn't vibing with their music, and you know, it's music is all subjective to the listener, so other people might find this very interesting, but for me, it was a little boring that like more than one of their songs had a hook where they used their band name as the song hook, like as Sham Sham, or a sham or you know somewhere like it was like their it was like their shtick and it was like okay i get it you have in fact written a song utilizing your band name but now you've done it twice meaning i don't think you have that large of a dictionary but who knows i, I digress up next was actually toxic twins now travis and miguel who make up the toxic twins they're neither toxic nor actually twins so they are in fact a sham but uh, musically speaking, they're incredible. Phenomenal high-energy act. Uh, they were a lot of fun to share the stage with. It was our second time performing with them, uh, you know. So it was uh, it was good. It was good to see them and, and reconnect and catch up. And the last time we had, we had seen them was back in December of last year. And yeah, I think we're three times the musicians we were then. So it was uh, definitely. Definitely fun to get back out there with these guys. So they perform, and then it's our turn. And um, 
we're just going to break it down, guys. You guys get kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff because you're going to get to hear my thoughts and opinions and views on the show and how things went and what was going on in my head during the set list and whatnot. So Veronica and Sarah put together a very ambitious set for Mishawaka. We just wanted to really kick the fucking door in and leave them stunned. Like, holy shit, I can't believe they did all those songs and they did them how they do them. So we are finally on stage, we're set up, we're ready to go, we're locked in, everything's cool, sound check has happened, we're happy, we're going to start with 20 Eyes, we rock that song out, I'm feeling it, I'm feeling good, in the pocket, kind of breezy, and then we went into Children in Heat, and I was okay in that, and I kind of got a little, like a little cramp in my arm early, and I was like, oh fuck, if I'm going to have a cramp in my arm, this is going to make for a long night, especially considering the set, which has a bunch of bangers, like the next song, which was Attitude, and the next song after that, which was Hollywood Babylon, and the next song after that, which is Who Killed Marilyn, so all these like ultra-fast rhythms on the hi-hat with my right hand, and I don't know, for some reason, my right hand typically is my stronger of the two, if anything, my my left snare hand is going to give out before my right hand, but for some reason, man, it just went, and I was cramping real bad, and I just couldn't, I couldn't hold my stick so well, and I'm like sweating profusely, and I'm kind of a little bit in a panic, because like, oh my god, we have to get through these songs, so we get through Who Killed Marilyn, and it was, okay, admittedly, it was a little rough, it was we're okay because we're humans, right? Everybody is flawed. Nobody is ever going to be perfect. And we accept that. And sometimes you're not going to have a 100% knockdown, drag out, A plus perfect star performance. Like sometimes you're going to go up there and something isn't going to be quite right. You're not going to feel something. Your energy is going to get shifted a little bit off or your, you know, the mental game is important as well. So we, we, you know, we had our little inconsistent time on who killed Marilyn go to Astro zombies. That's a good recovery song for me. And we're actually in the recovery part of the set now. And I'm finally like jamming and I feel really good. And I think we're sounding really good. And Veronica's killing it on vocals and the dirties and, and Sarah's on her clean piano and she's killing it on that. And then, and, and her vocals and I'm just doing my thing. And we're just in the zone again, and we get to Death Comes Ripping, and I'm all excited. It's like one of my favorite songs to play. It's admittedly the hardest song that we do, so it's my, I guess it's the song that I feel if it's on the set and we play it, then I get to like have a song where it's like, wow, that was very impressive, drummer. That was your one song to really wow everyone with, because there's not a lot of that in The Misfits, and it's not that I need the recognition, but it's just like... I can do that song, so why the fuck not, right? Like, I, I want to play it, you know? So if we have an opportunity to play it, we're going to play it. So it's on the set, and we go to start, and there's, like, something's not right, and Sarah had misread what song was next, and then, like, we had there was just, like, a whole miscommunication thing, and so finally we get into the song, we get through it, and it was admittedly pretty quick. I was cooking and booking because I was a little bit frustrated that there had been a miscommunication and it's not anybody's fault it's not my fault it's not Sarah's fault it's not it's just the situation sometimes when you're on stage you misread a line you think you've already done something in the set you're past something you're somewhere you get kind of thrown off and the next thing you know you're you're in a little bit of a conundrum here so you know we battle back we get through that and then we go into our like locked in part of the set and the locked in part of the set I mean that because it's not 
They're like our most um, intricate songs, maybe is a good word, but they're also the finesse. They're the finesse songs. They're the ones that you have to... Okay, uh, punk rock is really easily defined as playing really fucking fast and really fucking loud. And the louder and the faster that you fucking play, the more punk fucking rock you are, right? But for me, I've always been a fan of finesse, and I love perfectionism, right? If I'm going to play something, I play it to the most, as perfect as I can be. I try to do everything, mixing, podcasting, and and creating logos and stuff. I try to think about every angle and, and try to bring the perfect concept to life when I'm creating. So that the same is to be said when we're doing this band. So we try to replicate the authentic sound that the Misfits created without using the conventional instruments, but then it actually like I don't I don't know how to word this right. Okay, so the way I'm trying to say this is, it's pretty easy to go. Oh, we uh we make music because we cover these songs, and people can go, oh, you're a cover band. And I I don't know if I've ever aired this grievance before, but. I think that's a really filthy term, cover band. Uh, I think if you're a cover band, you play four-hour sets, you cover multiple bands, you play across a broad spectrum of bands, right? And also, I think, okay, now with a tribute band, and I know we use the word tribute in our thing, so are we a tribute band? Well, musically speaking, yes, because we want to musically replicate those sounds or try to get uh, the energy of those misfit songs relayed to the crowd in a way that they aren't expecting because pianos are very unassuming. It's hard because you you sit there and you uh, you're on stage and you do want to play fast and sometimes I am guilty of that, you know, playing way too fast. So um sometimes when things like when you get lost in your pocket and you're in those finesse songs, you're really showing people like, look, we can dial the speed back. We can do something that takes precision and takes a different technique than what you've been listening to. It isn't the same kind of faster drum beat. There's a lot of different cadences going on and different things happening with the vocal patterns and harmonies and what the music is doing as a whole. So, you know, we try again, we it's all about authenticity, I think is the way I want to say this. And, and, and to, so, so we are trying to be the most authentic band that we can be. And I mean that by we're taking our own original concept and we're putting it uh, through the Misfits filter right now. And we can totally write our own things. And we've been definitely doing that secretly and not so secretly because I can't keep my mouth shut. So yeah, it's like we've been, we have been working on the album and there's lyrics and music and stuff coming uh, it's just all about timing, and when we're ready to present that, we will. So uh, the waiting game begins, I guess, is how you'd say that. The waiting game begins. Episode title, possibly. I mean, I don't, you know, don't quote me on that, but uh, the waiting game begins. Okay. So, anyways, so back to it. Uh, you know, so we we. We try to be authentic, and then to to cover back to when I was talking about the tribute thing, because I kind of lost my way a little bit. With the tribute thing, it's kind of a dirty word, because yes, we're trying to be authentic to the music, but no, I'm not trying to look like a member of the Misfits, Sarah, Veronica. They're not trying to be members of the Misfits, or look like members of the Misfits, or emulate their Jerry Only, their Doyle, their fucking Danzig, or none of that shit. Like, to us, we want you to get lost in the music and forget that we're playing it, so you're lost in the music, and then when you open your eyes up, you're like, "Oh shit, that was not what I was hear, what I thought I was hearing in a good way," 
And those were pianos doing that to me. That's fucking awesome, right? That's kind of that's kind of what we want. So we play the show, and you know it was weird because uh, I can't remember. I think it was during Who Killed Marilyn. I looked down, and I'm like, fuck, I think I'm bleeding because I felt like extra sweaty on my hand. That sounds really gross, but it, I, I did. I felt extra sweaty, and I looked down, and I thought I saw blood, but it was my sticks. They're red, so I was like, oh fucking, of course I'm bleeding. I wasn't though. So then we finally get off stage, and I'm starting to take gear off stage because Mujin Hoso's up next, and we're about to talk about them, and I'm so excited to discuss that. Uh, so, oop, hit the pop filter because Blaine needs a pop filter for Nate's vocals. Good morning, Blaine. That's a special shout-out to you, my friend. Breaking the fourth wall. Get your ass back to work. Anyways, so we're in it now, and uh, I'm, I'm coming off stage, and I look down, and like a flap of skin on my left bottom knuckle is just hanging off of my finger i'm like what the fuck so what had happened was during the set as i was telling you i was kind of struggling a little bit and and it was very sweaty up there so i'm like kind of losing my grip and i'm having a hard time holding on to the sticks and it was kind of a calamity all at once and apparently i just had a i created a blister pretty quickly in the first couple songs uh, and then by the time we got to Who Killed Marilyn, that blew open and just exploded like blister juice. Ew, that's fucking gross. But it exploded blister juice all over my hand, and I thought it was blood, and it wasn't. It was blister juice. But then I continued to play like another like 30 minutes of our set, because that was super early in our set, uh, with the blister just like ripped open. And I mean, I filleted a good... Uh, probably like your pinky's worth of skin off of my index finger. So it's currently healing as we're getting prepared to uh, gear up for another show. Next weekend we play Shakedown Fest 4, or Shakedown 4 in Mulberry, Indiana. A lot of bands on that card I've mentioned before, and you guys will be uh, hopefully there because Brews With Dudes is doing a special live show from there. That's fucking incredible. Maybe both days. Like, that's bitching. Um... So back to it, okay, we're going to kind of get back into this show. We get off stage fully, and I'm tearing down stuff, and then there's this, like, kind of a moment of band crisis because we did not play a perfect show. Can we accept that? Can we move on? For a minute, it didn't seem like it. We were all a little bit um, flustered at the fact that we hadn't played flawlessly. I mean, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even mention the, the crowd asked for an encore. We didn't end up playing the last song that was on the set. We played I Turned Into a Martian because they asked for it. Uh, so that was a lot of fun and different. And then we also played uh, another bonus encore song because they were cheering us on and going fucking crazy. So we gave them Mother, uh, the Danzig classic, because it was like right at the day after the 30th anniversary of that album releasing on the 30th, no less. So that was pretty cool. Uh, up next was Mujin Hoso. Now, this band I was super, super duper duper, super duper 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 excited to see because they hail from Japan and they're a Japanese two piece drummer and guitar only. And holy fuck, let me, let me tell you guys something here, real quick. Uh, I've said this ever since Walk Among Us has started doing shows that I feel like when we do shows, we interact with certain bands and characters that are almost. They're almost, and it's interesting to mention this medium because, of course, Journey into Comics here, you little tie into comic books. I feel like some of the people we play with on tour when we're playing our different shows uh, end up being comic book characters, like not necessarily larger than life per se, but just like unforgettable 
and unforgettability personified. Like they stand out so fucking hard that you just can't help but be like, that's incredible. I need to see it again. And I mean, just to shout out a couple bands that have kind of been like that on our journey and, and not to not shout other bands out or some shit. I don't want anybody to be offended. These are just the ones that are popping into current Nate's mind frame. So uh, right off the top of my head, Mr. Russia sticks out. Their bass drums two-piece act. Ivan Russia, good dude of mine. Uh, shout out to you if you're listening, man. Hope you're well. We just chatted the other day. Speaking of which, because we saw Mr. Russia sticker on a car on the way to Mishawaka, which was crazy. So, and I and I reached out to him. I was like, "Hey, man, hope you're well." I just saw this sticker of yours, and uh, that was pretty crazy because it was in the wild. And when you see one of your band, one of your fellow like tour mates, fucking stickers on someone else's vehicle when you're in a place that you're doing a show that they aren't going to be at, it kind of makes you go like, "Fuck yeah!" Like that's the team. We're all rising together, and we're all doing special things, and that's that's an amazing thing. Another band uh, that sticks out in my mind is like ultra memorable, not forgettable as Mujin Hoso because the energy they brought was just unmatched mixed with comedy. I mean, the, the act as a whole was very clever because it not only was entertaining, but it was intelligent and musically speaking, it was very good. It wasn't, um, for lack of a better term, it wasn't what you're expecting like it was actually really great because they took a lot of uh classic guitar sounds and i mean that in like the tonal quality and turned it into their own unique thing and the energy that they have with the crowd i mean the crowd interaction was fantastic and dancing around and going crazy and jumping up and down and an electric like 35 and a half minute start to finish set it happened so fast i was bummed that it was over by the time it was over i was like no so, uh, yeah, you know, so we finished up the show. We watched Mujin Hoso rock it out, and that was a great experience. We got some pictures. We're probably going to be posting those up on the social medias. You guys can follow Walk Among Us, my band, on social media, at Walk Among Us Band on any of the different uh, social media sites to cheap pop right now. But, I mean, I guess I have the opportunity to do that because this is my fucking show. So, anyways, moving on. Uh, you know, the the weekend has been kind of now recovery mode. Um, not feeling the best today. Uh, yesterday, my body was just devastated from the work we did. I mean, taking the gear up and down the stairs twice and everything and uh, load in and tear down and set up and tear down and load in again and load it in again into the studio one more time after you've loaded it again. I mean, that's one thing a lot of people don't get when you book a band. Like, oh, well, you fucking $100 is good enough. All you're doing is playing 30 minutes of music. No, I'm also having to take the time out of my life to practice and also have to tear my gear down and also have to make sure my gear is maintained properly. Oh, and I have to travel to your fucking venue that you don't advertise the show sometimes. Not Mishawaka. That did not happen this week. I know you guys get crossed and think I'm like on a soapbox bitching at Mishawaka. That show went fine. I had a lot of fun. I thought it was great. Yeah, we could have had maybe a slightly larger fan turn, a crowd turnout, but you know, uh, it was it's Labor Day weekend, so you kind of expect that the turnout's going to be a little bit smaller because people are typically with their families trying to get together, doing something. Places are having festivals and other stuff. Uh oh. That means that I need to take a drink of water because I've talked myself into a stupor where I have no oxygen left in my body, essentially, and I've been talking nonstop. And, you know, it, let's bring this up, too, and this is fun because 
and no way is this a call out, but uh, I had a member of the network who remains to be AP, anonymous, AP anonymous, uh, and uh, this AP anonymous person uh, said, Nate, why when you, you know when you're doing your show, do you take a you take a big fucking drink of water or something, but you don't like edit that out or you don't do anything with it. You don't change the atmosphere that you were just taking a drink of water like it's some big cardinal sin. He said, I, I think the exact words were like, why do you alert the listener and not just like take a quick sip and then continue on in your thought and edit the silence? And I was like, I don't know, man. My thought is this, like, if AP was in the room right now with me or if Dick was in the room or Tyler or Nick or anybody in the network or any person, if you, you listener, you are in my kitchen right now looking across from me and I'm looking at you and I'm just like, hey, we're having a conversation. I can't bounce the conversation off anybody right now, but I need to rehydrate my mouth because it's parched, okay? So I just be, I, I guess my thing is, I live by that real recognizes real, right? And I don't want my show to come off as fake and overly produced. That's why there's not a lot of crazy, wacky, crazy, zany buttons and shit like we used to do. Like, it was fun and all, but sometimes you do that. A lot of times you have to do that in post. I mean, I guess right now in the current juncture, since I'm the only person on the show and I'm the only person that needs to hear the buttons, I technically speaking could be locking them in during the show and making a whole different thing happen. But... I'm not going to do that right now because that's not what you guys are here for. You're here for news and comics and stuff. So back to it. I am going to be having a drink right now. I'm going to just take a quick time out to cheers you, AP, for giving me this drink break. Thanks, AP. Cheers! Water is a delicious source of life. All right. So I think it's time we actually get into some like nerdy comic bookie news. I have some things for you guys today. Some stuff is very much in the heart of comic books. Something is fringe comic book. Something is something I didn't even know was going on in comic books. And uh, then a little bit of movie news and what have you. So right out of the gate, we're going to cover that brief movie news that I have. And it's a little bit of Avengers 4 stuff. Uh, First of all, uh, Gamora, uh, Miss Zoe Saldana, posted a video of her currently doing work for uh, Marvel for reshoots for the next part of the Inf- of the Avengers story, and her costume get up and uh, everything points to it's possible that there is some time travel going to be happening. And uh, that being said, it just like it just seems like everything is pointing to Avengers is going to do time travel, and that's the big shtick, and they're going to use time in the word, and everyone's going to go, the story is a time travel story, and that's how they're going to undo the events of Infinity War. But who knows? I'm not sure if that'll be the case, you know? So my thing is, getting into the Avengers thing too, is that when you're talking Zoe Saldana, that brings up yet as the sore subject that won't go away, and that's James Gunn. There's not really been any new news on this front, um, 
but that also means there hasn't been any news on this front, which could be good. Uh, I know that Disney had come out, or according to Variety, Disney had come out, which who knows how far Variety can be trusted, and came out and said there's no way that they're going to stand behind their direction. But a lot of people are very upset. A lot of people aren't letting this go. Dave Bautista, one of those people. Uh, Chris Pratt showed up in a video recently. There was a, there was a little kid battling cancer and a bunch of the different members of the MCU and different people who are in superhero roles, essentially Marvel superhero roles, uh, shouted this person out and said that they were thinking of him and stuff. It was a very sweet video and whatnot. Uh, but Chris Pratt was in it. And he looked a little haggard, you know, honestly. Like, I'm just going to throw that out there. He looked a little beat. So uh, I just don't think that we're done with the James Gunn stuff. I feel like really Disney... I just don't think Disney lops off their arm like that and goes, oh, well, there won't be fan backlash. Everyone will still go see this movie. We'll do it right. Like, you're playing with really dangerous fire. And it's it's... Yeah, this is... All of this is building towards who knows what the fuck is about to happen. And I don't know. I genuinely don't know what the future holds for, for all of this stuff. Uh, I will say that if we're talking about Infinity War a little bit, there were some interesting thing. There was something interesting, a little subtle Easter egg that got called back. Um, just imagery based. When Thanos is on Titan and he's fighting the Avengers and Guardians and then he gets Tony and he stabs Tony with the piece of the Iron Man armor that Tony had went to attack Thanos with... Um, the whole scene is kind of cut similar to Obadiah Stain in the first uh, Iron Man when he takes Iron Man's arc reactor out and, and Tony's like turning blue and all like, <gasps> and whatnot. And then he gets the uh, the little robot, gives him the little thing and whatnot. And he, anyways, you guys know how fucking Iron Man went. It's old, 10 years old. So it's just cool that they had like kind of similar imagery, a close up of of stain and a close-up of Thanos are like shot very similarly in angle and how he's looking at Tony. Uh, the look Tony gives back is very similar. I mean, imagery, man, they're doing a good job with that imagery. Uh, yeah. So I, you know, I mean, I will say I'm pretty excited for Avengers four, whatever that may be. And, uh, hopefully soon we have some, some footage of that or some Captain Marvel footage or, anything i'm I, I think it's time we get the captain marvel trailer knowing my luck it'll drop like tuesday or monday when this episode's already out and i've i'm already past recording it'll be like the captain marvel trailer's out holy fucking shit and everybody will be reacting to it and i'll be here waiting a week to cover it for you guys sometimes that's the only bad thing about this show is that we come out on monday and sometimes that late breaking news hits monday but uh sometimes we get lucky in that regard too you know and uh I think, uh, yeah. Anyways, we're going to move on here, guys, because I got a really interesting thing to bring up. I don't know if you guys even know about this or not. So there's something called hashtag Comicsgate happening. And uh, I saw it, somebody, I think Ben Kreger from Black Suit of Death or something, or maybe Todd Black or somebody posted something about Comicsgate and the ridiculousness or whatever. And I didn't really know. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. I honestly don't have a clue. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to do a little bit of research on the show and figure it out. And I found a pretty decent uh, explanation and a little bit of an article that I'm going to read to you guys and just kind of breeze through it here a little bit. And, uh, you know, we're going to figure out what Comicsgate is. Uh, so the article starts, the roots of Comicsgate go back to the beginning of Marvel history. 
more specifically back to a single unlikely figure that you probably haven't heard of unless you're a serious fan, insider, or comic book historian. That figure is Flo Steinberg. Flo is a well-known, well-known in comic circles and widely regarded as the first lady of the comics and often the heart of Marvel. She was one of the original Marvel staffers, Stanley's secretary, a plucky feminist, go-getter, and the original glass ceiling breaker. By all accounts, Flo was one of the more interesting figures in comic book history. Okay, Flo died in January of 2017 at the age of 93. She was fondly remembered by Marvel insiders by saying, when you accomplish something remarkable, reward yourself with something sweet. A week later, at what was, to the best of my understanding, a sanctioned company function to honor her passing, a group of female assistant editors got together and shared their sorrow at the passing of one of Marvel's great figures over milkshakes. A tweet containing a selfie taken at the event was posted on July 28th by a Marvel assistant editor named Heather Ann Tos along with the hashtag fabulous flow. That's when all hell break loose. Hashtag make mine milkshake. Looking in from the outside, what happened next was weird, unexpected, and seemingly random. Almost immediately, Antos found herself dragged under the riptide by a social tidal wave of the most disgusting sexism, misogyny, libel, and hate you can possibly imagine. Angry tweets and direct messages came from everywhere. There are accounts of threats being made, and even weeks later, Pornographic memes were still being tagged against her profile. The support for Heather in the larger community was overwhelming. The comic book world, understanding what they were seeing, rallied behind her, as did the general public. Hashtag Make Mine Milkshake trended for three days in support of Antos. Marvel was in a period of mourning. They had just lost one of their own, someone who, according to sources inside Marvel, was regarded as a grandmother figure, especially to the younger members of the team. Someone who had been a mentor and bringer of cheer. While there are controversial elements to Comicsgate, nobody disagreed on what Flo Steinberg was to the history of Marvel and the comic book industry in general. This is a settled fact. So imagine how confusing something that like that might be if you were to experience it. You're on Twitter mourning the loss of a mentor you worked with and loved, someone well-respected, someone great, and then this? What? Why? Why? Wait, what? What kind of person does something like that? The answer will come from another unlikely source. For years, Marvel and DC have grappled with changing market conditions and struggled with the questions of how to remain profitable and relevant in the new 21st century landscape. There have been challenges such as the right of digital distribution and marketing, trying to reconcile existing fans with new movie-going fans as well as new digital fans who may not be, shall we say, the traditional demographic. Simultaneously against this rocky landscape of change, there has been a movement slowly growing in the seedy underbelly of the internet. It is an unexpected coalition of sincere but disaffected comic book fans, old gamergates, middle-aged edgelords, crazy ex-military type, and white nationalists who have bone to to pick with just about everyone. Their cause is described by the people involved as a rebellion against identity politics and comics, but also social justice, liberalism, and the notion of equal, of social equality as a whole. These people have been on the proverbial warpath, aiming at the comic book industry for some time. And although the top two leaders in this circle, the ones responsible for the bulk of harassment, emerged only recently, the roots of this culture began taking hold as early as 2012 on comic book message boards, or about the same time the birther movement 
began to gain steam. Enter YouTube. YouTube quietly fostered and abetted this small but broad coalition of haters, turning it into a monster. With the success of Gamergate wacko and the extreme right-wing political activist on the platform, the emergency of Comicsgate seemed inevitable in hindsight. I've looked into it. It's unclear how many of them actually knew about Flo or her impact. I don't know how it's even possible to overlook the existence of a tag like Fabulous Flo a week after her death, unless we're talking people who are not the people I mentioned initially. You remember serious fans, industry insiders, or comic book historians. Nope, just a guy who turns rage into money. Before the day of the milkshake incident, there were already trashing comic books such as Captain Marvel, The Unstoppable, Squirrel Girl, Spider-Gwen, Gwenpool, Thor, Miss Marvel, Iceman, anything written by Dan Slott, and pretty much Marvel's entire catalog of diverse characters. Even DC titles such as Batwoman, shock, she's a lesbian, have come under the gun. The purveyors of comic gate narrative you want to believe that is not about hating diversity, but they're about only interest in combating mediocrity in the books they read. They do not hate per se so much as they're very concerned about the overall quality of comic books and the content. They want to make the industry a better place, where Marvel and similar companies can tap into huge markets of people who are no, who, do, who no longer read the books. At least superficially, that sounds like a reasonable argument, even a compelling one. Who wouldn't want better comics? The argument appeals to the more sincere instincts of the most comic fans, which is why it's framed this way. But let's be real for a minute. There are plenty of mediocre comic books about straight white men that these guys don't even talk about. Even now, as the movement has grown and more channels are covering more things, they still generally don't cover them, like, ever. And who's ever heard of fixing an industry about uh, an industry by lobbying sexist, homophobic attacks in the general direction of anyone involved? Their quote-unquote criticisms are almost always centered on diverse Marvel titles, but Valiant's Faith, Images Saga, IDW's IG Joe, as well as the smaller indies like Black Masks, Black and Queer, Comics, Pride, um, oh, 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 like Black Masks, Black and Queer Comics, Pride have been added, and that's a company, Q-U-E-E-R-C-O-M-I-X, uh, title Pride, have been added to the list more recently. Naturally, it's not really all that difficult to see why people think they're bigots, even if you intentionally ignore it and turn or turn a blind eye to their bad behavior. <sighs> okay, so speaking of bad behavior, one second. Thanks, AP. Speaking of bad behavior, let's turn back to the day of that Heather Antos committed the unspeakable crime of leaving an innocent memorial tweet in order to honor a beloved mentor and friend. By this time, the current coalition of big names in the Comicsgate community had solidified with their secret Facebook groups and multiple unlisted Discord servers. They were able to coordinate a premeditated and well-organized attack on Antos and other members of the Marvel editorial staff. The videos appeared almost simultaneously, sometimes within minutes of each other, and soon after, just after the initial scuffle began, the tidal wave of hate hit hard as the followers of Comicsgate turned to Twitter to repeat what they had heard. Despite being regarded as a good nature and knowledgeable by her colleagues, Antos was accused of being a diversity hire. She was referred to as an unqualified bimbo and subjected to some truly creepy theories involving Jordan White, which shouldn't be repeated in polite company. Comic Gate supporters even got their hands on a zine Antos created in high school to use as fodder against her. 
as the attack spread, other creators were similarly attacked for her for coming to her defense. With the precedent set as being all right, even reasonable to attack comic book producers and creators and fed by an atmosphere of silence, the harassment would only continue. <clears throat> the fallout. Until recently, Heather Antos was the singular Satan of the comicscape movement. She was accused of numerous things and the subject of dozens of conspiracy theories, many which persist today. After the milkshake incident, comicscape sites shifted to people like... Uh, Magdalene Visaggio, whom they arbitrarily decided wasn't really a trans person, whatever that means. Slurs like, quote-unquote, man in a party city wig were used on both Twitter and YouTube for months, despite the obvious bigotry. Uh, even when other comics gators brought it up and let them know they were out of line the two major voices in the movement continued to use the term or some variation of it one of them was actively using it as recently as two weeks ago other victims of the comics gate hate mob and or stalking include tess fowler kwanzaa osageov gail simone mark wade among others not even journalists are immune from retaliation breathing cools jude Terre and joe glass have also been targeted Consensus in the industry, at least among creators, that is, is that continuing to ignore the problem will get it to go away. And yet, both followers, both follower counts and subscriber numbers are growing from the, for the most vitriolic and problematic personalities in the movement. The number of channels on YouTube covering comics skate in a positive light is 20 times what it was in August, and diversity in comics channel is hovering around 46,877 subscribers with an active total engagement of around 11%. Captain Cummings, one of the originators, has fellow followers but higher engagement. While insignificant when compared to more credible comic book channels like Comic Explained or Comic Storian or Journey into Comics, these numbers are troubling. Even if only 10% of these total followers are a real problem, that's still hundreds, potentially thousands of people that are willing and able to take their beef out with, uh, oh, wait, we're just covering this. We're not, we're not, I'm not, I don't know if, I don't, I, I know what side on this I'm on. You guys are probably certain of what side I'm on too, but we're getting back into this article. Going forward, bullies, don't back down until you face them. You just sit there and take it. You're fun to pick on, so expect that. It's worse to live with the storm cloud of intimidation than suffer a couple of scrapes pushing it away. We don't have to sink to their level. We don't have to become anything we're not. But as an industry and a community of creators and fans alike, we are all affected by this. What's worse? There have been signs of escalation for months. T-shirts with slogans reading, quote, I am Richard C. Meyer have been produced, and they are for sale today. Richard C. Meyer is the name of a high-profile public figure, a self-proclaimed leader of the movement and owner of the YouTube channel Diversity in Comics. In recent weeks, Comicsgaters have gone from simply attacking creators and journalists to attacking pretty much anyone they disagree with, even within their own movement. Even other channels like I Love Comics have been attacked by the hate mobs, despite the long being a longtime supporter and advocate of the movement. Taking the fight to comic book conventions has been discussed openly. Industry veteran Mark Wade also fell victim to their wrath when he expressed concern. What happens when these people start showing up at cons? If their behavior on their convention floor is anything like it is online, are we really prepared for that? There's no way around it. We do have to face this. Now we know it's real, where it comes from, and how it behaves. 
But what is the nature of the beast? How do we classify it? How do we minimize the damage it causes any of us when they strike without warning? And ultimately, how do we destroy, destroy container, marginalize the worst element of it? Um, I, wow, this is um, a very interesting article, actually. And I do have a lot to say about Comicsgate now that I know what it's going on. So uh, TLDR, if you didn't really pay attention to anything I just fucking said, because some of you have fucking short attention spans, and I get that. ADD is a real thing. ADHD is a real thing. Maybe you didn't smoke enough weed today, and you can't focus. I understand that. So here's the deal. Comicsgate is essentially a group of people, and not everybody in the movement is this way, but overall, it seems, a large movement of people who are straight white men totally afraid of anything that is not a straight white man taking over in comic books automatically creates this unwarranted level of just dark hate. Like these are ladies who are mourning the loss of their mentor and people just like started tearing into them. I would be fucked up and livid and listen, here's the deal. Like you and maybe you guys don't ever see it because you know, we try to keep things uh, professional, as it were, but uh, Walk Among Us and Journey into Comics Network have not been impervious to unwarranted hate. Uh, now, Journey into Comics, the show necessarily, no. But the network was at one point kind of targeted uh, on one show, specifically Gallifredio, somebody who uh, was a very of a, a very much a probably a comics gate type uh said some really crazy shit and i just called it straight like i saw it and told dude i was like dude here are the facts and that's the facts like you can't argue fucking facts and you can't say fake news that's a fucking tired bullshit line just because you call it fake doesn't make it fake if i see it with my own fucking eyes it really happened and if i listen to your fucking president that y'all voted in say something with his own fucking mouth he said it you can't deny if he said it, if it came out of his fucking mouth. It's, oh, he didn't say it. Well, then, was that a fucking robot? Like, do you have robot Trumps going on? That, anyways, I'm, I'm getting off fucking track here. So, essentially, these people are just afraid that their comics are being affected because people who have been marginalized by the system, people who even have to deal with having a... Um, a different classification, whether it's gay, straight, uh, homosexual, transgendered, whatever you want to be, asexual, pansexual, it doesn't matter, any kind of whatever you're into, right? Or if you're if you're a person of color or if you're someone who, uh, you know, identifies as a boat, I guess. I don't know if people identify as boats, but maybe it's possible. But see, here's the thing. If it doesn't fucking hurt anybody else, it shouldn't matter, right? And if Marvel goes, oh, well... This person's qualified for the job, and she happens to be a chick, and we probably need to hire more chicks so we can have a better view of what everybody on earth wants, not just the straight white man, okay? That's the important part of this that you want to take home. So see, they want to make sure that they are not only getting diversity by way of hiring people for diversity, but they're getting diversity by hiring those people and then letting that culture of multiculturalism and the willingness to accept anybody for who they are uh, creates a cool system where then you say, well, if we had a perfect world, 
where anybody could be anything truly and there were no limitations, what would that be like? And Marvel's trying to create that in comic book form. And you have to give them, I mean, extra high props. Uh, it is a difficult thing to tackle. It is a difficult subject to deal with. Um, are comics quote-unquote mediocre? Sometimes. Is it because there are too many gays and lesbians and people of color running around in Marvel making decisions? No. has nothing to do with it. Too many titles. There's too many titles. Here's the deal, Marvel. Have like two comics that come on a week. Every week. Every month. That's it. So you release eight, maybe ten comics a month, depending on how many Wednesdays there are, right? That allows for you to tell the absolute best stories, work your absolute hardest. Oh, but I want to do a team-up. Oh, but I want to do this. Oh, but I want to do that. Well, you better get to figuring out how you're going to do it cleverly. Maybe you can do it and have two stories in one book, but you got to find a way to minimize the amount of books. That's why there's so much mediocrity, because there's only so many truly, genuinely, brilliantly creative minds out there that can come up with stories that are over the top and next level. But we're not going to find them assuming that it's just in a archetype of a straight white man. Straight white men don't own the greatest story creations of all time. J.K. Rawlings, have you fucking heard of her? She created Harry Potter. She. She created Harry Potter like 35 years old when she was down on her fucking luck. She was in a fucking cafe and she wrote down some ideas on a fucking napkin man and that's fucking hogwarts and it's a legendary part of culture now and people wish that that hogwarts was a real thing that we would have grown up with as kids right so when you think of all those things it's just like i don't understand the movement of comics gate and thinking that it, it just angers me and here's the deal spoiler alert am i a man yes am i straight yeah. Am I white? It's arguable. I mean, mostly, but I do have some Native American in me. Genuinely, like, you could go do a DNA test, and it would be at least one-eighth to one-fourth of my bloodline is is Indian, Native American, right? So, um, mostly white, I guess you'd say. I tan real dark, okay? So, I don't subscribe to only men make good things. I subscribe to everyone could make something good. Just show me what's really great. And if it's great, I will go, yes, it's great. Like there are lots of shows that exist on TV. I don't watch every show. If it's a bullshit show, if it's Real Housewives in New Jersey, like I'm not watching that dumb bullshit, right? I'm not into that or whatever. But it might be a show like The Flash or Doctor Who or castle rock which is fucking amazing and i want to do a podcast about it called castle talk don't steal my fucking idea i'll freak out um, but it's a really great show it's on hulu it's been mind-bending how brilliant the story is and it's a great stephen king uh story that's kind of like put together from multiple stories i've talked about it before i'm not going to talk about it any longer i just wanted to say that i've been jamming castle rock so again back to the good stories i will be able to identify a good story when it's presented to me, okay? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who wrote it, man. Get over it. If you're one of those types that is a comic skate type, here's the deal. Okay, and I'm, and I, and I'm super fucking serious about this right now. This is not threatening. I want to be ultra genuine right now. I want any of my listeners to know that I'm serious. If you or anyone you know is pro comic skate, 
I want you to reach out to me because I need to have you on my show and we need to have a conversation and I want to hear it from a person. I want to get your perspective mano a mano, Skypey a Skypey or whatever the fuck. However, I want to discuss it and hear from your mouth what the fuck you think is good about Comicsgate because I don't see it. I really don't. There's nothing that sells me of fuck yeah, I'm pro Comicsgate. Like that's what I need to do. I'm I'm not. I really I I can't subscribe to that at all. It's just not my jam. All right. So is Nate pro Comicsgate? No. Is Nate pro Comicsgate? No. I am not pro Comicsgate. I think it's horseshit, and I think that y'all need to recognize that women have made this world better and like here's the deal if you're one of these comic skate types but and you're also like a very science and nerdy type who also likes space and nasa right nasa i want you to figure out who sent us to the moon and then get back to me oh spoiler alert it was a black lady and she was a fucking genius and she hand coded every fucking step of that mission herself that's crazy, okay? So stop thinking in this tiny, insane little box of we can't have anything if an exact kind of person like me did not do it. It's like, man, I just want to see everybody have an opportunity of success, right? Like if you're living your life and you're going through your struggle right now in your day, even if you're pro skate, I just want to see you succeed, but being successful is a mindset too. It's not just a dollars and cents thing. It's not just a respect thing. A lot of different things quantify success. A lot of different things quantify you as a being and what you can offer to this universe and to this world. And you just got to push through, you know. And ultimately, like I, like, I just want what's best for everyone. Like, I want everyone to genuinely fucking find happiness. Uh, and not like be a murderer and that's your happiness like that's fucked up like just like draw or paint or fucking you know mow lawns in a really crazy shape or something like do anything that's creative that's where people go crazy they don't know that they need a creative outlet because everybody does like if you are just a human with ideas that have been brewing for decades and you don't know how to get those ideas out or quantify those ideas or express them to anyone, then you start to bubble at the surface and then before you know it, BAM! You've been fucked up. You done been fucked up. So if you are struggling in your world, it's because you're lacking creativity possibly. It could be. I don't don't fully quote it. It is absolutely because of that. But what I'm more saying is, is... If you're struggling to find your purpose and your drive in this world, then you need to look at doing things that are creative and creatively make you happy. And not, you know what, here's the deal. Write down a list of a million different things that you could do creatively. Draw, paint, create comics, create um, music, create podcasts, be in a band, learn guitar, learn the piano, learn the drums, learn to sing, take dance classes. Uh, learn to skydive or to cave dive or, you know, scuba dive or boat or go fishing, you know, anything that is a creative outlet where you can just release. And I've always said, and you guys know this, that the, the, 
the podcast I'm on right now is very cathartic to me. It makes me feel better as my existence because it's a place where I'm allowed to filter my thoughts that don't go to anybody else when I'm just bubbling in my own head and come out to you guys and cover things that are in my love. I love comic books. I love video games and nerdy shit. So nerding out is what I'm into. And, uh, you know, one other thing that I'm really super big fan of, and uh, a lot of you guys know this, not everybody knows this. However, I am a humongous fan of rap. Uh, Not all rap. I'm not a fan of mumble rap, and uh, we're not even going to get into all that. But uh, here's the deal. You're like, rap, rap. Why the fuck is he bringing up rap? Why is that important in what comics and whatnot? So a couple days ago, like last Thursday, I think it was, there was a tease from Eminem, and he said that he was teasing that he's going to be releasing a track for the motion picture Venom. comes out October 5th, so we're just at the release of this. We are, what, only a few short days here away from, uh, away from only being a month away from Venom. So one month in closing in, and I'm, you know, I'm going to wait for reviews, obviously, on this one a little bit. I am a little skeptical. It is a Sony-led movie. There is rumor and possibility Tom Holland might actually appear in the movie as Spider-Man, no less. Uh, And that coming from the director saying, well, obviously, I know the answer to that question, but I don't know what I can and can't say, because obviously, if I say too much, I will be in trouble for Marvel and Sony. So who knows what that means, right? Uh, but here's the thing, uh, Eminem did the song, so I, my ears are perked. Eminem is arguably one of my, he's actually probably my all-time favorite rapper. Uh, he wasn't my first rapper, I love Dr. Dre, uh, and in modern times I've learned to start to become a, a large fan of people like Childish Gambino and Ludacris and uh, Lil Dicky is pretty cool as well. So Eminem, huge fan, obviously. <clears throat> teases that he's going to release Venom, this song that's that's coming out for the movie, and there's a little, like, couple-minute tease, and it's all right. It ain't bad. I'm not mad at it or whatever. Uh, however, I'm just like, okay, the chorus is a little cheesy, I guess. It's not like, I don't know. It wasn't... I, 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 it... The chorus, the, the chorus hook was not what I wanted out of what Eminem was bringing, I guess. And maybe that's me being overly critical. Right. Um, but it, I was like, Oh cool. He's, he's doing the fucking, he's, I'm jazzed, you know, he's going to do this album and it's going to be great. And, or he's going to do this song and it's going to be great. And the very next day, Eminem out of nowhere, like a kamikaze pilot releases an album called kamikaze out of nowhere. Uh, now, let me tell you guys a little bit of background to this. Uh, just last year, or I guess the beginning of this year, or I guess it was last year, right? Eminem released uh, Revival, the album Revival, and it wasn't, um, it sold really well, but it wasn't like the most well-received, and it actually got some people who were like, uh, other rappers to talk shit about Eminem. And that's kind of a, I guess it's a kind of a dangerous thing because Eminem's one of those 
artist who he's very visceral and he's very intelligent with how he can spin words and turn it in on its head and just, you know, being ultra creative in that sense, right? So he essentially makes an album called Kamikaze that is a response to the entire rap world and all the people that have been talking shit about him. And he calls people out and cleverly just... And we're going to get into it. Now, here's the deal. I've not listened to the full album yet. Um, I do want to kind of... The few tracks that I've listened to that are on this list, I'm going to just go through and talk about in no particular order. Uh, Kamikaze is an awesome track. Uh, Fall is an awesome track. Not a like is an awesome track. Stepping Stone is an awesome track. Lucky You is an awesome track. Greatest was not. I mean, so far every song I've listened to is awesome for a different reason. Um, so I'm gonna actually go to some lyrics here. Kamikaze uh, album lyrics, right? Because there's a couple lines that uh, just. Jesus, man, he uh, he rocks them. So, so I'm gonna, in no particular order, cover these. I want to say "Stepping Stone" is pretty cool because it's an apology song to D12 and Eminem, essentially saying like, "Sorry that when we were younger and coming up in this game together in 2002, right after we started getting super successful, that once everything really fell off the rails, I couldn't hold us all up." And we'll never go back to being that iteration of the band again. Obviously, there have been a couple members, or at least one, there have been at least two members that have passed away. So they'll never be that iteration of D12 ever again. But essentially, it was him burying the hatchet and saying that D12 is dead. Um, and it was just like very powerful, you know. Uh, so Lucky You is pretty cool uh, because it's got this like, uh, what's the word? It's like a. Um, it's like call a response, but not call a response, because like the first verse and the first quote unquote chorus bit are done by uh, Joyner Lucas, and then Eminem comes in on the second half. Uh, so you know, uh, when M comes in, he just he just doesn't he does not take prisoners. You know, a uh, couple of the lines here, I'm going to just go, they're asking what happened, what the fuck happened to hip hop. I said, I don't have any answers because I took an L when I dropped my last album and it hurt like hell, but I'm back on these rappers and I'm actually coming from humble beginnings. I'm somewhat uncomfortable winning. Like he's, he goes fast and hard in the paint. Another thing is he doesn't just like, oh, 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 you know what? Uh... I forgot that he is, I'm pretty sure, didn't he? Uh, I feel I thought this was the one where he uh, called out uh, Machine Gun Kelly, but it, it must not be this one. I think it's not alike as the one that he did, he bust out Machine Gun Kelly on. But uh, Lucky You is awesome because, like I said, it has that cool like call or response and it's a flow thing. The one thing I really like about this album too is Eminem, every person he attacked, he did a song kind of in their style. Like, he would take their lyrical cadence, or he would take their actual mumble rap style, or whatever the fuck it was, and just beat these people down. Like, for the pre-chorus to Not Alike, Brain Dead, Eye Drops, Pain Med, Cyclops, Daybed, iPod, Maybach, Mybach, Trainwreck, Sidewalks, Payless, High Tops, K-Fed, IHOP, Playtex, Icebox, 
And then it comes to the, the chorus, which is, that's how much we have in common. That's how much we have in common. He just he he just blasts on these guys, and it's crazy. Uh, so when you get into the stuff, I'm trying to find the, the thing with uh, R. Kelly, because he, uh, oh, here it goes. He goes, because uh, you're going to get an arsenal because the bar's over your head, so you better have your arms up if you're going to pull up. Oh, you run the streets, huh? Now you want to come and fuck with me, huh? This little cocksucker, he must be feeling himself. He wants to keep himself or keep up his tough demeanor. So he does a feature, decides to team up with Nina. But next time, you don't got to use Tech 9 if you want to come at me with a sub machine gun. And I'm talking to you, but you already know who the fuck you are, Kelly. I don't use sublims and sure as fuck don't sneak this, but keep commenting on my daughter, Haley. Because I guess. I guess Machine Gun Kelly had said something about how M's daughter was hot or some shit, and it was like, then it kind of created beef. Some people been getting called out on the album have, has been interesting because, like, some of the rappers in, in the industry are getting called out in a bad way, but then, like, on, uh, oh, shit, was it Fall, I think? One of these songs, I think it was, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to say that one. That one's, that one's, uh, okay. So yeah. <clears throat> so he says, I belong here. Clowns. Don't tell me about the culture. I inspired the Hopsons, the logics, the Coles, the Sean's, the K dots, the five nines and O brought the world 50 cent. You did squat, piss and moan, but I'm not going to fall bitch. Oh man. Eminem is tight. I really like him. Maybe you guys are going to be like, Oh fucking Nate just lost me. I'm not a fan, um, but if you are a fan of rap, I really do think that this album is something you guys would enjoy checking out. Uh, from not a like stepping stone, fall, kamikaze, lucky you. The skits are good too. The Paul skit, and then uh, M calls Paul because Paul calls M, and this is the thing. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Eminem has been notorious that sometimes when he, him, and Paul Rosenberg, I do believe. Uh, are communicating through their missed phone calls, he saves the voice messages because they're so ridiculous, and then he uses them in his album as, like, little skits, you know, because it's, like, really a skit, and it's not, I mean, it's really the, per like, it's really Paul being pissed off. So Paul's like, Em, what are you going to do? Fucking attack everybody who said something bad about Revival? Like, what, we're going to have, we're starting out with Kamikaze, and then, and then next year... After they say some more shit, you're going to come out with Kamikaze 2, where you talk shit on them for talking shit on the shit they talked initially. like. And, and then Eminem's like, the second skit, he responds, he's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to attack them. Like, even journalists are fucking, it was, it's good, okay? And, and that's, that's all I have to say about that. Check it the fuck out. I like Eminem. Sorry if it offends you. Let's get back into some comic book shit. We got to see if there's any late breakings before we go. Okay. Let's see here if there's any other good stuff on the interwebs. Oh, you know what happened? Actually, I did want to cover this, and I did not yet cover it. But the 25th anniversary of uh, Power Rangers just happened. And hopefully... Uh, big things coming from the Power Rangers universe because it was pretty cool to see they had like a essentially it was like a there was a robot that mimicked Tommy and 
was in the Black Dino Tommy Ranger because Tommy's Tommy Oliver, uh, Jason David Frank's uh, Ranger has been, he's been the Green Ranger uh, in Mighty Morphin, then the White Ranger in Morphin, and then he was Red Zio, and then he was the Black Dino, I do believe Ranger, maybe one more, but he has this new like ultimate morpher that can morph him between the different things so he was like morphing from green ranger to white ranger it was fucking badass as hell um and then there was like this fight with this droid so it was like tommy versus tommy i really really enjoyed really enjoyed watching a little bit of that i didn't even actually get to watch the whole thing yet so hopefully by the next episode i'll have a full uh review of the 25th anniversary of power rangers uh, I think it was on Power Rangers Steel, which is the new season. <clears throat> and, folks, I just want to mention this. Now, don't forget to stick around tomorrow because tomorrow we got poor news coming up. But Wednesday, I know you guys were probably like, I wonder if he's going to talk about it at all. And I have went almost the whole podcast because I'm afraid if I even use the two-word phrase that my mouth is going to explode and I'm going to say way too much and then we won't have a podcast on Wednesday because I will have already said all my thoughts. But I'm going to use two words that we're going to cover on Wednesday's episode of Journey into Wrestling. If you're a wrestling fan, if you like professional wrestling, we are covering the mega event that happened in Chicago over this past weekend, All In. And let me just say, that conversation, I'm certain, is going to be too sweet. So check it out. Anyways, folks, I think that's going to do it for today's episode of Journey to Comics. Kind of covered a little bit of random news, got you guys caught up on some stuff that's been going on in my world. Uh, had to learn about what Comics Gate was and decide what side of the fence I'm on. Say no to Comics Gate, folks. It's bullshit. We need diversity in the world. We need everyone equally accounted for and represented so everybody's voice is heard and so everybody can move forward and so everybody can have a chance to have some sort of hero representing them. I think that's a very important thing. Men don't own comic books, and men also don't own superheroes. And I don't want any. And li- listen, ladies, if you're listening to this, don't feel discouraged when you hear about Comics Gate because it is gross. It's a fucked up thing. But y'all got to keep pushing and keep pushing the movement of women's rights even further. It's crazy that we still have to do this, but men are crazy and trying to be mega powerful and want to hold on to the grasp. And men, here's the deal. In your lives, if you've got a woman in your life and you are shitty to her often, and what I mean by that is she does something, you immediately criticize how they did it and don't like how they did it, and they're, you're shitty to them about how they did it, and you're mean to them all the time, they're going to fucking leave you, and they're not going to respect you, and then you're going to think women are the problem, and you're the fucking problem. So stop being an asshole to your women. Love the woman you have or the women you have or live the life you live. Be happy with who you are with. Don't be a fucking dick to each other. Love each other. And as always, folks, check out the Journey into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. You can also go to iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify. You're just going to search Journey into Comics Network, get all shows on the network, whether it's Journey into Comics or Poor News, Poor Entertainment. Uh, We got Journey into Wrestling, Adulting Ain't Easy, Foodies Watching Movies, Podcastrophy, Kids for Sale, Gallif Radio, The Voice of Survival Podcast, Brews with Dudes. And on Sunday, that Best of the Week show, giving you guys some clips from everything that's been going on in the week. So if you didn't necessarily get to listen to all the shows on the network, you get to catch up there, hear some of the bits that were good or interesting or clever or you know worth listening to and talking about. 
uh, folks. And also make sure that you're checking out Podcastrophe. They are going to their own feed. Now, they're not leaving the network, obviously. We love those guys way too much for them to leave us. And they're too in, they're too integral to all the things we're doing within the network. But <clears throat> they want to create even more content. And I just said, fly, little birdie. Go ahead. Start your own feed. You guys are going to kick ass, and obviously. And they started their own feed, and it's going to go live soon. And you're going to be able to go there, download all their episodes individually. And then guess what? This is the best part. You're still going to get those episodes on the Journey into Comics Network. We're not taking them down. And you're going to get Podcastrophy until they're episode 60. Episode 60 will mark the last episode on the main feed. And then we've got some new stuff cooking that's going to be coming in October that I can't fucking wait for. So big things around the corner, big things are brewing. Uh, change is afoot at the Journey into Comics Network, and we've got a lot of cool things going on for you folks. Also, make sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash journey into comics give you guys a rundown one more time of what you can get if you become a patron and let me tell you it's just going to help us overall live this dream that we're trying to create and we're going to have some major plans in the moving forward of this network we're planning events we're getting things booked we're getting things put together there's two major events happening in november for our network a major event that has not yet been announced it's going to be happening in december for the network uh, and, and there's just, there's so much to come and, uh, we love creating for you guys and we need your help. So, you know, your Patreon dollars are important and it gives you stuff. It's not like we're giving you, we're not saying give us a dollar. We're going to say no and, and not give you anything or help you out or anything. We're going to give you some cool shit that you can only get through us by giving us extra money. So as soon as you give us a dollar and the every dollar helps tier, you're getting early access and exclusive content, meaning as soon as the episode's done recording, you get it as soon as we're done editing it. Exclusive content, meaning there's new shows coming on the network. And guess what? Spoiler alert. Tuesday, a new show is dropping. Tuesday on the Patreon, a new show will debut that has already been talked about. And if you're a Bruised with Dudes fan, you're already getting hyped on it. But Bruised with Dudes will be debuting a new show, the Bruised with Dudes post game. And that is going to be a Patreon exclusive. All you got to do is give us a dollar, folks. That dollar gets you in the door. That dollar gets you listening to extra beers that they drank and extra conversations that they're having uh, that you don't get anywhere else. Moving on to the $2 tier, you're going to get the same stuff as the $1 tier, but you're also going to get on the $2 tier, the nothing but love tier. We're going to shout you out on every podcast. We're going to say, hey, we appreciate your $2 a lot. You... Give us that money, and we are going to say nice things about you. And if you've got a show or a podcast or a book or a comic or a CD that's dropping or a comedy special that's coming out on Netflix or some shit, we will say when and where people can find that as well at the end of every show. So you're getting constant advertisement for just two whole dollars as well as the other stuff. Moving on to our $5 sticker club. Before we get out of here, you get early access, exclusive content, that shout-out, and a random custom sticker that will be picked by us. We will mail it to you one a month. You're getting a random sticker from the network. It could be a show-exclusive sticker. It could be every show sticker. You could just get an entire collection. We haven't decided how we're going to release those yet because we haven't got anybody that's given us $5, so do it, please. Learning the ropes. It's only 10 bucks a month. You get all that other stuff that I was already talking about. Plus, you're going to get a special 30-minute phone conversation with me once a month. We're going to get on Skype. 
we're going to chat. We're going to develop a podcast idea, pilot maybe. We're going to talk about how to make your show better. We're going to do whatever you need to do. We're going to learn. I'm going to teach you. You're going to learn from me how to do what's holding you back in the podcasting world. So if you need some assistance, I'm the guy. Moving up to the $20 tier, the T-Shirt Club. You get early access, exclusive content, the shout-out, the random sticker, and one Journey into Comics Network t-shirt of your choosing, meaning if there's a show you really like, all you do is say, hey, I need that Gallif Radio shirt in a large, please. Okay. Boom, it's sent to you. The next month comes, and you're like, you know what? I actually want a Bruise with Dude shirt this month. Okay, cool. We'll send you one. Boom, sent. Done. Cammy, get away. Go. Go. For some reason, the cat is just obsessed with the fucking water bottles when I'm trying to podcast. It's like, Jesus, cat. She's the worst. Thank you, Veronica, for the save there. She came and got Cammy the F away from me in the middle of my podcasting podcast. So, uh, oh, we were doing the, we were doing the Patreon tiers, and we were at the T-shirt club, and then we're at the Learning the Ropes in a T-shirt club. It's $25, um, which means... That you're actually getting $30 worth of stuff for $5 less. Uh, you get the early access. You get the exclusive content. The shout-out on all the shows. Random custom sticker. We'll send it to you. You get a Skype call with me. That's how you're going to learn how to be a better podcaster. Learn how to podcast. Do anything about podcasting. You know, Create your concept. Learn how to start a pilot and follow through with your idea. Any of the different tips you need. And you get a network t-shirt at the end of all that. So you get all those things. It's essentially like getting the $5 tier, the sticker tier, and the t-shirt tier. But you also get a phone conversation with me. And you know what? Here's the deal. Maybe we'll make it to where if you don't want to talk to Nate, the podfather, pick somebody on the network. And if they're able, we'll make that happen too. How about that? And they'll tell you their secret to how they started podcasting. Because everybody's journey is a little bit different, I guess. And maybe it's just not about how I've done it, you know. That's all strictly what we've got on the Patreon right now, folks. We do encourage you to give us some dinero. We would really appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this episode of Journey Into Comics. This has been Journey Into Comics 207. I have been your host, Nate. want to thank you guys so much for checking it out. Stick around for more shows coming out on the network this week. We've got Poor News. Journey into Wrestling, Podcastrophy, Kids for Sale, and Brews with Dudes all coming out this week. You do not want to miss them. And uh, we'll be seeing you guys later. As always, do me a favor and fill your brains with shit.